You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 196. In this episode, I'm speaking to Andrew and Pete on how to make your content stand out in a crowded marketplace. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guests are Andrew and Pete, a fun team who helps businesses and brands create insanely shareable content through their YouTube channel, podcast, and membership community. They are the authors of two hit books, The Hippocampus and Content Mavericks, and they are regular keynote speakers at international conferences. Go to signal.com forward slash 196 for the show notes, and there you'll also find links to Andrew and Pete and all their amazing content. I'm so excited to be here with Andrew and Pete. I think you're woohoo. And we even have an alien with us as well. Uh Uh, That's Elvis. Elvis. Okay, Elvis. He's looking a little bit deflated today. Oh, okay. Okay. It is is a Wednesday, so. Yeah, Wednesday. Mm. (laughs) We're slave drivers Monday and Tuesday. So like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we just give him the day off, basically. Okay, okay, that's good. So (laughs) if you're listening to the audio, you're not seeing Elvis, but Elvis is a (laughs) purple alien and it's a fun background feature. Uh, (laughs) We we haven't even started. That was a start to a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We haven't even started. So anyway, I met Andrew and Pete first at Social Media Marketing World, and you stood out. Yes, hey. funny, funny enough, you you stood out in a crowded room full of people at the bar, you know. And I thought, hey, these guys are fun. And then I met you again at the next conference, and then the next conference, and some I'm like, hey. I got to bring you on my podcast because I don't think my audience knows about you yet. Oh. And you are doing <laughs> so amazing things. That is our um, favorite word, you know. Our favorite word is yet. Yet. Not yes. yet. Yeah, we're yes. not taking over the world yet. No, yet. <laughs> but that's the plan, right? Yeah. That is the plan. Well, okay. Yeah, with, with Elvis. With Elvis. Yeah. yeah. He's going to yeah. help us. And then yeah. I kill Pete off and become soul dominator. Yeah, my grandpa. Old dominator. Old dominator. Is that, is that the right word? That's yeah. the right word I was going for. <laughs> what are you doing with that? I don't know where this is going, this episode. But anyway, we're having fun, and I hope the people listening will have fun too. <laughs> we'll get to some killer tips soon. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we definitely want to talk about content because that's what you guys are known for. Mm-hmm. And you created some awesome content. One piece of content I remember sharing from you into my community was uh, you were one of the first talking about GDPR. Oh, oh. oh God, we've gone down GDPR road. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want to talk about it, right? Okay, so that's done. But you did a funny video. Thank you. Explaining Thank you. to people not to panic and 
still they panicked. Yeah. Still they yeah. panicked. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's funny because um, when we say create like great content and it was a short five minute video about GDPR, which sounds the most horrendously mind numbing thing ever. But we did it in a fun way. We took the make out of it a little bit. We did, we did actually give some advice and explain what it was. Yeah. But I, we started that off with Andrew in a prison outfit. And we <laughs> made the joke that it had been put away for GDPR by the GDPR police and stuff like this. <laughs> and it's funny because if you use a little bit of humor or if you make your content just a little bit more engaging than everyone else's dry, boring content, then people actually listen, pay attention, and then they can learn. Yeah. So we've had people message us and say, wow, thank you so much. I've just sat through a four-hour GDPR workshop, and I've just learned more from your five-minute video than I did in that whole workshop. Yeah, right? Because exactly. they're listening to it because yeah. it's actually entertaining them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a powerful, underutilized tool that a lot of people don't actually do. Yeah, I feel like people think that the content either needs to kind of educate or to sell something. We're kind of a running thread through all of our content, whether it's a sales message or a valuable piece of information, is that we want people to actually enjoy consuming that information, whether they're reading something, whether they're listening to our podcast, whether they're watching our YouTube channel. And I think that has what stood us really well and got us to where we are in the market today, just because we've always had that in the back of our minds. We want people to actually enjoy learning from us. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, before we dive further into the content strategy and what people do, tips and tricks, how come that the two of you are doing this together? <laughs> doing what together now? I, 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 don't, I don't know. World domination together. Yes. Are you seeing double? Are you seeing double? <laughs> yeah, I so, see two. <laughs> so kind of the bromance dates back almost 10 years now. So we met in 2008. We were kind of put in the same halls of residence together at university. We were both on different courses, but we were both doing business degrees in the management school at Lancaster University. Uh, we just became really good friends first. We were like friends before business partners, friends yeah. for a couple of years. And I think we bonded over our ambition to one day rule the world and mm -hmm. maybe take down Bowser's castle yeah. uh, while we're there. <laughs> but of course, you know, with Bowser's castle, the, the, the problem is always going to be the princess. Mm -hmm. And that was Vicky, Andrew's girlfriend, mm -hmm. yeah. who made us move all the way to Newcastle. What a third wheel Vicky is. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully, they're still together. So yeah. the move was right. You know? yeah. But that's how we got started in business, that we didn't know anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, but we wanted to like run a business together. We didn't want to get a job. Like Andrew, fun fact, has never had a job. Never. Like, not even like a paper round. No. That, uh, that's not a good thing, but hey ho, we're running, <laughs> we're, we're running, we're going to call it a fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, we started off there. We just started it in a new city. We didn't have any experience, no money, no job. Definitely, definitely no money at that point, <laughs> straight out of university. We had no business contacts, no clients, no website, no business. And we just started. And I think that, that was quite scary. And I think people are quite surprised how far we've come from that point. Yeah. Uh, because we, we basically did nothing for the first few years, just like finding our feet, trying to do certain things. And so, yeah, it's been an exciting journey from, mm -hmm. from literally from scratch. Mm. So. And how did you find your, let's say, niche? Like you focus on helping people with content. And I, I bet you do many other things, but that's what you're known for, right? So why content yeah, versus well anything else? 
Uh, you've just gave us a huge compliment without even realizing it because we really struggled with our niche for a long period of time, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. a good like few years into our business, we were still unsure what we wanted to be known for. And we always kind of had this creative angle to how we taught people. So we started trying to coin the term standout marketing or creative marketing. And we found people didn't really understand it. So we kind of said, right, what do we actually really enjoy doing? And that was producing content. We really, really enjoy the whole kind of content process from thinking about an idea, throwing it around together, to planning it out, to filming it, editing it, executing it, and promoting it. Mm. So for the past couple of years, we've like really just like niched down on, we help people create the best content online. But it didn't come easy, that niche, mm. did it? No, because I think... <laughs> The, the reason why, like the deep reason why we want to do this and help so many people create, you know, more remarkable creative content is because when we first started, like I said, we were fresh out of university, we didn't have anything. We went networking and we started blogging and we started tweeting and Facebooking. And out of those two things, like the offline world and the online world, one was a clear, clear winner for us where we got all of our business. Can you guess which one that was, Sigmund? They're blogging. No. 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 <laughs> For the first like three or four years that we blogged, we didn't get like anything from it. It was completely pointless. We could have just not done it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which you might find surprising considering we're here to talk about this. Yeah. But literally, when we went networking, we would always do things a little bit differently, right? We would go in, we'd throw chocolate around, we'd do fun quizzes, we'd always have party poppers. Mm. Um, we once even took an indoor firework. To a networking event. Now, what happened was we completely blew the what, like blew out all the competition. Like no one could compete with that. They're like, "Hi, oh, I do marketing." It's like, <laughs> and it comes to us, and we got a freaking indoor firework, right? You can't compete with that. That's totally different. You can't replicate it. Yeah. And it starts to build a massive reputation. So locally, like we, our reputation preceded us before we went to a networking event. Mm-hmm. People were mm. like asking what we're going to do at the event. People were inviting us to networking events just to be at the event because we were fun, right? We were going to bring yeah. a different energy, right? And it came almost a pressure to keep up, didn't it? It did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> events we thought, God, we have to think of something else fun to do. <laughs> but then when we thought, like, well, that's working incredibly well. We're getting a lot of business networking. Yeah. We don't want to be networking all the time. We want the online thing right we've heard of this dream about online marketing and we want that to work for us we want something more scalable yeah and we looked at our online marketing and you know what it was horrendously boring it was horrendously boring an average like no no wonder nobody wanted to read it right yeah. no wonder no one was sharing it or subscribing to it or buying from us from our content mm-hmm. and so it wasn't like literally overnight but it felt like overnight we made that transition of boring content to Mm -hmm. more interesting content we took what was working from networking and we did that online we started to create more remarkable content and what happened was overnight well not literally but almost yeah you know pretty much within a short space of time people went crazy for it right like we started to get you know fans and putting air quotes up here People really loved it. They started sharing it. They started commenting. A comment! Like the first time. Like, yes, comment. We, we even once got a comment from Seth Godin himself. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, wow. We started to get subscribers. We started to get sales. 
And all of this stuff was amazing, right? Yeah, and like Pete said, it wasn't overnight, but it was quite short term. So this is probably going back to when we first met you, actually. Remember how you said at the start of this, we actually stood out in the room. Yeah. That's because like, we were so good at like the offline networking, meeting people face to face. But yeah. probably at the time we met you, our online presence probably wasn't even that good. Mm. Which um, So it's only been like a short maybe two years where we've yeah. actually been putting a lot of effort into creating this amazing online content. And mm. we really just want to shorten the gap between like starting creating content and actually seeing some returns from it. Because I think a lot of content marketers talk about content marketing as a long-term strategy. Yeah. Which it is a long-term strategy in that the longer you do it, the better results you're going to get, the more of an archive you're going to build, et cetera, et cetera. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be making any money, not straight away, but like within the short term. And honestly, as soon as we started doing things a lot more on brand, a lot more creatively, it was like a matter of months before we started actually creating a noise in the industry and get more subscribers and more sales from content. The biggest thing we get is like, wow, where did you guys come from? Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, where have you been, been hiding? Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, we've, oh, I see you guys everywhere. You're blowing up right now, right? But literally, we've been doing this already for like six years and nothing happened. <laughs> but then in the last year or two, it, you know, it's like suddenly reached a whole new level and the growth has been really like, amazing. And it was because we made that transition. Mm-hmm. And we want you listening to this to make that transition too and realize that. It's not about just waiting six years. It's about getting to a point where your content's actually working for you. Yeah. If I look at your content now, it is really popping. It's like standing out in a crowded marketplace. Okay. If you can rewind back, like what changes did you make? Like now you're producing shows. You know, uh-huh. you're, you're, you're a media company. That's what everybody needs to be. You, it feels like you're a media company more. And maybe that sounds a little bit too much for some of my listeners to kind of like, sure. oh, I don't want to be a media company right away. But what was that transition or what tips do you have for someone who kind of like, okay, how can I make this transition for my business? Yeah. Now? yeah. So I think one of the very first things we did was stop trying to please everybody online with our content. And I think everyone needs to realize that if they really want to kind of make a noise, online then they can't be for everybody and we're not necessarily talking about picking a niche here we're talking about your online personality so we completely get if someone watches our youtube channel they're either going to probably really like what we're doing or they're going to think not for me not professional enough will they just kind of get to the point will stop making these jokes will stop being daft and we've had like kind of all of those insults like too daft not professional and cringeworthy someone once called us and yeah it does sting but you have to kind of get over that and just realize and kind of remember you are trying to attract the people who actually are going to love what you do so that's probably one of the first things we did we kind of just embraced who we are and it's not necessarily putting on an act or faking it it's just about um enjoying it that's what it was for us wasn't it like right we were we were really enjoying going networking taking the party poppers creating a scene how do we do the same without content because to be honest like writing the blogs back in the day was a bit of a slog it was the blog slog so (laughs) the first thing you need to do is find a way for you to actually enjoy creating the content because as soon Mm. as you do that you're probably going to bring some personality into it yeah yeah exactly and i think another thing you need to think about is you don't want to start off by comparing yourself to us or other companies Mm -hmm. that are much further down the line than you and sometimes it can seem like this like uphill battle 
and you're like, you see us up there, up the hill, and you see other these other big, huge companies or these companies that have got amazing content and they're doing things so, so well. And you kind of think, well, damn, like, how do I get there? That seems so far away. And you just need to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And what you're looking for is like, is a small response, like a passionate response from a small subset of people. Mm-hmm. Mm. So when you are, even if you've got a small audience, if you post something right onto social media and nobody responds, right? If that's your typical response, right? Which for 90% of businesses it is, right? They'll post on Facebook and they'll get nothing, right? We call that content crickets, mm. right? <laughs> because you put some out there, you don't hear anything. It's just crickets in the distance chirping mocking you slightly and the thing is once you start to put out there something that is actually worthy of a reaction something that's remarkable and when we say remarkable we mean something that's worth making a remark about right Mm -hmm. um then you start to see what's going to work and then you can build up Mm. so a cool example of that is we did a little instagram story about these ready salted crisps right in the office kitchen this company they hire this big buffet once a week, and they always leave this big bowl of ready salted crisps, right? So we did a whole Instagram story ranting about these crisps. And we said, well, what if they bought a more Marmite flavor of crisps? And we believed that people, that when we went back, they would all get eaten because you either love them or you hate them. And if you hate them, you're going to ignore the crisps. If you love them, you're going to eat them all up. But what was happening is they were putting these average, blase, safe, ready salted crisps out and they weren't getting eaten by anyone mm. which is content crickets right yeah <laughs> yeah so we we proposed this whole idea that is your brand ready salted or yeah. is it marmite right what's your flavor mm-hmm. so we got a really really good response from that on our instagram story and to the point where we got sent really passionate messages um, <laughs> with swear words in there. From, um, from ready salted hardcore fans mm-hmm. who didn't appreciate us mocking their favorite flavor. No. And then what happened was people started to create memes about me, <laughs> right? And they sent me memes like mocking me for like liking ready salted crisps and whatever. So then we thought, oh, this is funny, right? This was a small, passionate response. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then what we did, we put it in one of our podcast episodes in a little segment. We mentioned it. Yeah. You know what happened after that? We got sent 70 packs of crisps. <laughs> 70 packs of ready sorted crisps and a mug. Two mugs. Two mugs. One each. Which said, <laughs> I love ready sorted crisps on it, like the I love NYC logo. Wow. So then we thought, great, this is paying off, right? We've tested it again. It's worked again. We've built it up. We've done more with it. Yeah. Hey, you guys can do this as well, listening. So then we took it one step further and we made a whole keynote presentation about it. <laughs> and we took that and we got paid to do this keynote talk in front of loads and loads of people. And it went down absolutely brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And we sold like 300 yeah. copies of our book. But wow. the thing is, we knew it was going to go down brilliantly. And it's not necessarily taking a huge gamble. I'm going to do a, this keynote presentation around ready salted crisps. We yeah. knew it was going to do well because we had already proved it on the podcast and before that on the Instagram story. Yeah. That was kind of an idea people were going to mm. get behind. It was going to resonate with people. So it's not a case yeah. of starting big necessarily with creative ideas or creative content ideas. Just start small. Like there's loads of micro content types that yeah. we can start testing these ideas on, whether that's a Facebook post, whether that's an Instagram story, whether it's just like one sole tweet. 
Yeah. Like we can start being a lot more creative and kind of test what is going to get that reaction because that's what we're yeah. looking for, especially if we're just starting out with content marketing. We want to create content that gets a reaction. And we're not talking about hundreds of likes and shares. We're just talking about when we're starting out, like a passionate, small response. And I think this is a really important point where a lot of people kind of think creativity is a little bit risky or a little bit fluffy. Mm-hmm. You know, I have this idea and I'm going to go with it and it might not work. And how do you get buy-in for that, right? How do you get buy-in from your client, if you're an agency, from your boss, if you're in like a bigger company, mm-hmm. or yourself? Like, how do you put yourself out there and risk failing with this creative idea that may or may not work? And that's why so many people do the average thing because it's safe, mm. right? Or well, actually, we think safe is a new risky. I know that's an overused term, but it's so true, right? Especially with content. If it's safe, it's boring. It's not going to be remarkable. No one's going to make a remark about it. Mm. Okay, so you're completely missing out. And if we can build up from like these small moments of remarkability and build up from there, then we know that that creativity isn't a risk. It's actually safe. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point. And if you're trying to get buy-in from your boss, don't go for that high-end thing. Don't go, I want to create a keynote talk about crisps (laughs) and he's gonna look at you and go like what the hell get out of my office (laughs) you've been playing with elvis way too much i was gonna say not even buying from your boss just buying from yourself exactly yeah yeah (laughs) i think that that's scary to start but i think you've made it a little bit more doable by saying what if it's just a tweet or what if it's an email? Like, I know I was ranting about GTPR. <gasps> yes. <laughs> uh, and I sent a rant email to my list and I got the best response ever because, <laughs> because everybody's trying to play it safe, right? And then you can take it to the podcast, like you said, or a keynote. Yeah. So you can start with a safer audience or mm-hmm. a smaller yeah. version. Yeah. Or even in a Facebook group, post a question in a Facebook group, see how many people have a dividing opinion on it. Yeah. yeah. One of our guests on our podcast, Janet Murray, she does this a lot with LinkedIn. She posts what she calls her grenade posts <laughs> and she'll put it in and it'll be something that's completely divisive yeah. like, to the point where people are like, fighting in the comments and she thinks like, fantastic. Yeah. And then that becomes her most popular podcast. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. she's all the time. And if it doesn't work on LinkedIn, she's not going to make it into that podcast. Brilliant. Right? So the podcast Brilliant. is the high-end thing that she wants to do really well. A LinkedIn post can fail, it can flop, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah. it's the place to test it. So how do you go from there to creating the shows that you have? You have multiple shows. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, what's the strategy behind that? Yeah. yeah, the shows almost comes from our innate need to organize ourselves, right? So another kind of killer reason that we have been so successful or got so much done is that as for every kind of part of us that's creative there's another part of us that's organized and we really want to make sure that we are getting stuff done and when we say we're going to do something it actually gets done we've never like not hit a goal or not done something we said we're going to do just because we are so anally organized (laughs) so (laughs) the shows came from well, number one, we wanted to make our membership site better. So we've got a membership site called Atomic. And there was a lot of kind of, because it had been going for a while, there was a lot of content on there that wasn't necessarily organized. So we wanted mm-hmm. to make it so our members were able to 
log into Atomic and know exactly where things live. And it was kind of categorized into the shows. In what order to do it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the free shows, like we've got our podcasts, we've done Andrew and Pete versus Dan and Lloyd, and our YouTube show, that kind of stuff. Yeah. They are almost just ways to, we've kind of got our ongoing show, which is the YouTube show, which is the thing that we're doing consistently. But then we always, as well as having that like consistent arm to our content, we want things that are going to be a little bit different, that we can be a little bit more creative on, that we can test things on. Mm -hmm. So that's when it comes to having like a definitive start and a definitive end to a mm -hmm. show, like our podcast season. It's a game show. It's the same guests over 10 weeks and there's like a, a winner and a leaderboard and that kind of thing. So you can have that ongoing narrative through it. Yeah. And it's just a way to kind of flex our creative muscles yeah and i think for the listeners as well it's a great way to keep that retention over time mm. so if you know that you listen to podcast episode number one mm -hmm. and you know it's number one of ten mm -hmm. and at the end of number one you really want to find out who wins this thing yeah right so it's this ongoing narrative that almost forces you to keep going and to yeah. keep listening and what we like to say is you should follow not the leaders of your industry but the leaders of the medium, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. if we were to do exactly what you're doing here, right? Or if we were to do like this interview show, right? You've been doing this a while. You've got a great audience. We're never going to catch up to that, right? If we do exactly the same thing as you, mm. right? It's gonna, we're just going to be one step behind. And every time you get better, we're going to be one step behind trying to copy you. Mm. Right? So we thought, well, how do we get to where you are right by doing something right what do we need to do well we need to be different mm -hmm. right we can't be better so we need to be different yeah right and we learn to be different and we take inspiration from the leaders of that medium which is things like netflix yes yeah. right or radio one uh -huh. right so we took like the game show idea from like radio one uh which is really good for attention and fun and entertaining and the way they interview the guests and they make them feel so comfortable like we want that Mm -hmm. But then Netflix is like the leader of like shows and entertainment right now, mm -hmm. right? So what are they doing? Well, they're creating this episodical content over time, mm -hmm. series of content. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't we do that? Mm. Yeah. Right? So it then becomes standout. It becomes different. And now people say, like, people keep on putting our podcast on like these top 10 lists of podcasts to listen to. Mm. And it's like, we haven't been going on that long with our podcast yeah. compared yeah. to the other 10 people on the list, like people like you, people like Pat Flynn, Johnny Dumas, and then us. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? Like we've yeah. only been doing this like a year. Yeah. They've been doing it like 10 years. So, and we can test the way to yeah. match. Yeah. We're doing kind of different shows as well in different seasons. You can almost test things between seasons. So for example, yeah. season one, we went down of our podcast, went down the Netflix route of just batch releasing the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so people could listen to the whole thing, binge watch it in a week or whatever. Yeah. Um, season two, we're going to do it. We're doing it um, week by week. So at the time of recording, we're on episode five and we've released the first five. Yeah. So it's just a kind of a cool way to test, right? Okay. Which one works better? What do people like the most? How can we improve that going forward? So that's kind of the idea behind series and shows. I think shows is just a cooler word as well. Yeah, you people like cool say words. like a course. <laughs> he wants to do a course when you can when, take when a you show. When you can watch a show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it is in alignment with, uh, I attended the 4D day at VaynerMedia with Gary Vaynerchuk and uh -huh. uh, the head of digital strategy there. He talked about all of us being a media company 
mm-hmm. and that we had should have multiple shows. Yes. yes. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I'm now sitting with Andrew and Pete, and you have multiple shows, so you're doing exactly <laughs> as he said. <laughs> well, I'm glad I mean, that uh, we are on, on the line with Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. didn't even hear that. So no. That's no. <laughs> See, you did it. You did it instinctively. And I love what you said about don't look necessarily for inspiration just from your own industry. Take it from the outside. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, if it comes to your branding, it could be from the fashion industry. If it comes to a YouTube show it comes from tv or netflix yeah Yeah. especially like in the marketing world or the business development world like if you look at other industries people are doing it better than us yeah Mm -hmm. people have got more viewers people have got better retention and people are creating more engaging content in other industries so it seems almost daft just to look within your own industry to get that inspiration yeah. So what you you say you're focusing on a YouTube show, and mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen your videos. We mentioned the DDPR funny video at the beginning <laughs> of this episode. But for someone who is not doing that kind of show, it looks like a lot of work. Could you explain a little bit what how yeah. much time or effort goes into that? For instance, a five into, minute segment yeah, into our YouTube show. So yeah. um, we've got better at this over time. Yeah. So we do take out a full. It's almost a full day. So every Tuesday. And Andrew and Pete is our content day. So that is when our content gets done. And our main piece of content is that YouTube channel. Yeah. So we are taking the full day. <clears throat> well, we do 9 till 3, 9 a.m. till 3 p.m. every single Tuesday, just focused around our content. Mm-hmm. But we've started batching it a lot more. So in the first of so the mornings, scripting and researching keywords or they are filming. So we tend to do two or three videos back-to-back filming, and that's just like 9 till 12, a couple of days a month. Mm. And then the afternoon of that Tuesday, or 12 till 3, is all like email scheduling, social media scheduling, subtitles, all that kind of other stuff that goes into place. Mm. So, yes, it's like one day a week, you could say, that we're spending on our content, which might seem like a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. But... It's not for us. It's not a lot of time because we're getting results from our content, yeah? Mm. And we've got four other days in the week to either work with clients or do other kind of business development stuff. But you need to kind of carve out that time. So you need to work out what your Tuesday is. Is it a Monday morning? Is it a full day on a Thursday? Or is it a Friday afternoon? Or whatever it is. And you just need to get consistent with that time schedule and just give yourself time to create that content. Yeah. So it is a lot of work, but... It's not a lot of work when you really yeah. think about what you're getting from it, plus how much time you've got left. Yeah. And two <laughs> other things there is, firstly, we tested it again. So mm-hmm. for the first like 50 videos, we edited it all ourselves. Yeah. Uh, we just wanted to see if this was going to work for us. Mm. And we made the commitment we're going to do 50 videos. And after like three, we were like, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, <laughs> we are sold on video. We want to do this forever. Because we could instantly see a return. People yeah. could see our faces. They got our personality. Mm-hmm. And boom, like, you wanted us, right? So we got speaking gigs off it straight away. More clients, more members have Atomic, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then... We have got after... so many speaking gigs from our video content. Yeah. It's insane, right? Wow. And, like, we'll talk to the event organizers, the people that booked us, and we can tell that they think we're going to be good. And we'll say to them, like, you know, you haven't actually seen us speak. And On they'll stage. be like... Hey, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just assumed you could. <laughs> and we can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can. Yeah. yeah it, it's funny that we just presume that, which is fun. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, after the first 50 videos, we then um, got a, a full-time uh, video editor um, who helps edit our videos, and we've got other people to do other stuff for mm -hmm. us. It's all, um, it's all process, so it's though. Just, so like every yeah. single task that goes into creating those videos and getting them out to the world is mm -hmm. documented. So we've got like upload into rev.com for the yeah. subtitles. That's like yeah. a two-minute job. Editing it was a big job. So we were spending maybe two hours a week probably on editing, mm. which even though we really enjoyed it and we thought we were good at it, it was a case of, well, that's taken up the most time, so we should probably outsource that first to free up some more time. Yeah. And the editor we got was so amazing. freaking amazing. And we yeah. thought, crap, we should have really outsourced this sooner because she yeah. does a way better job than we ever did. <laughs> Another point there is it does take a lot of time, but isn't it worth it? For example, with blogging, if you spend an hour or two a week creating the most average blase blog, mm -hmm. right? There's literally no point, right? You're kind of wasting your time there because it's not going to get found in search, mm -hmm. right? Google isn't going to think this is a really authoritative piece of work. I'm going to rank this number one, right? <laughs> People aren't going to read it and think this is amazing and I'm going to share it. Yeah. And, you know, we've heard about people writing 30 to 50,000 word articles just to rank on page one of Google for certain competitive keywords. Mm. Oh, God, I cannot be bothered with that. Can you? No. But let's say that took him a month to do. Mm -hmm. like, that is worth it if you're going to get 100,000 hits to your website. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's worth it. So when it comes to spending a whole day a week on creating a piece of content that's actually really good and it's going to get shared or it might get found, mm -hmm. like, that is worth it. And that's what we're focused on, creating you know, remarkable content that will get found and shared. Mm -hmm. And I think you need to have that purpose. And I don't know, you can't just create average content because it just won't work. So don't yeah. spend time doing that. Spend a little bit more time to create the best content. Yeah, and don't be thinking it's a long-term strategy. So even though my blogs aren't getting a lot of traction now, one day they magically will because you've been told it's a long-term strategy. You're yeah. literally getting nothing from your blogs at this point, like no comments, no love, no nothing. Then you're doing it wrong. But you, you will continue to not get anything if yeah. you continue to produce the same standard of work. Uh -huh. Because if anything, it's getting more and more competitive. Yeah. Like the internet is doubling every like nine to 12 months. So if you think suddenly your average bug is going to do better, if you just keep going, it's not. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a really hard message for people to hear. Yeah. We're not used to being so hard. No. I'm no. Like, what is going on? <laughs> Rev, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to go and punch a puppy in the face next. <laughs> it sounds like you just lean into your weirdness, right? <laughs> yes. That, yeah. I love that phrase. Yeah. yeah. When you know, and lean into your weirdness. <laughs> yes. Do you use that or have you just come up with it? Cause I the, just came up with it. That's the great. There we go. <laughs> well, and maybe it helps to have Elvis at the background as well. Maybe. Yeah. He's yeah. the real mastermind. Yeah, mm. exactly. <laughs> this has been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much, Andrew and Pete. I will link to your website, of course, in the show notes, because you absolutely must, the people listening and watching later on, you must go to your website and see the shows that Andrew and Pete have. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank, thank you, you so, so much, Fabulous. It's been thank super you. fun. Thank you for listening, guys. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Lean into your weirdness. <laughs> <laughs>
Go to signal.com forward slash 196 for the show notes and there you'll find links to Andrew and Pete and all their amazing content. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.